can you imagine doing anything else with your life? If you have any other things that you can say, yeah, I mean, I could do that. I, I like that. Then this isn't for you. My problem is I can't see myself doing anything other than what I'm doing right now. You're always going to meet somebody that's going to suck and it's going to be really rude. If you're really meant to do this and this is really your passion and you really can't see yourself doing anything else, those people really don't matter. Those people actually fueled my drive to be in this industry more because I wanted to prove them wrong. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. Text me what your favorite episode is, how I could improve the podcast, what products would you like to see, but most importantly, I just want to connect with you. Text me at 614-953-6380. Again, that's 614-953-6380. I receive each message directly, and I'm excited to hear from you. Go on, press pause, and save my number, 614-953-6380. Tony Avery is in the driver's seat today. She is the owner of GirlsDriveFast2.com, which covers new and vintage car reviews, racing schools, track days, and other industry events. She has reviewed nearly 70 press cars to date, is a high-performance and team safety driving instructor, and has spent her entire career on the racetrack in everything from Miatas to open-wheel formula cars. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Tony Avery in the driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Tony? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. I am excited to get you on here. Um, like many of my guests, I find my guests, for the most part, on Instagram, and you are no different. I stumbled across your profile in Instagram, and I'm like, ooh, this sounds like someone interesting and someone I would like to meet. <laughs> As with all of my guests, I just love how you represent women in the industry. So welcome to the show, and I am so glad you're on here. Thank you so much for having me. I kind of want to start in the beginning, give a little bit of background, and kind of work our way through your history. So I, my million dollar question that I always ask, where did it start? How did you get into the automotive industry? Well, I was pretty much born into the industry. My dad is a huge car guy. Um, he loved to go to car shows and do some track work with his vintage cars. He mostly had vintage cars when I was growing up. And we go to Monterey Car Week every year since I was two years old. So I was immersed in that culture as well. I, I'm going to pause you there, Tony, because I don't I don't think everyone knows the magnitude of Monterey. And oh, yeah. it's it is not your average car show or experience no. by any stretch. Do you, do you mind kind of bringing the listeners through a little better understanding of what that show is about? Yeah, absolutely. So it encompasses a lot of different events during, technically it's like a 10 day time frame, but a lot of people go from the main weeks, Wednesday to Sunday. It encompasses most famously the Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance. It's very exclusive. It's invite only. So if you get invited to show your car at Pebble Beach, it is a truly special car. There's a lot of other car shows there, a lot of big ones such as Quail and some smaller ones, some newer ones, some more new car shows have started up as well in the area, but it's really all surrounding vintage cars. And another really big event there is the Motorsports Reunion, otherwise known as the Historic Races at Laguna Seca. And that's takes over pretty much the whole time as well. You have the prehistoric races, which is the weekend before. It's sort of like the qualifying, if you will. 
And then the next weekend is all the big racing. And that's honestly my favorite part of the whole weekend. But uh, you have some big parties and uh, manufacturers launch cars there as well. It's a pretty big deal. Every automotive celebrity you can think of will be there at that time. I've seen some highlights from it in that race would be so neat to watch and oh it's super cool i mean i know you said classic cars but just to put this in perspective because depending on the generation that's listening to this episode classic may mean 1990s (laughs) (laughs) as crazy as that sounds right but we're talking like 50s 60s Am, am i right on that yeah and and it's pre-war all the way up to uh i'd say for the vintage shows i see some 70s cars but um for this like the new modern supercar show it's anything that's crazy loud new um is going to be there pebble beach is older though right oh yeah the pebble beach concourse has been around for a very long time um and so have the historics in the cars that I've typically seen Pebble Beach, they're all older, like 50s, 60s. Is that right? Or that just happens to be yeah. what I see on TV? No, that's that's correct. And some older than that. But yeah, it's, it's like by the end of the week, I am just so exhausted. <laughs> when we talked about that before, and it, it took me a moment, I'm like, Monterey. I'm like, it, and then I connected Pebble Beach because I'm used to hearing the Pebble Beach. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's like one of the most exclusive experiences ever and yeah. and this is where i want to kind of connect it for the listeners that's what you grew up going to <laughs> i did <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this isn't you know down at steak and shake or <laughs> you know what i mean the the and local that, yeah. pub <laughs> car show this is like multi-million dollar cars oh yeah strolling um, up there yeah and to me that was just normal that was like how I grew up going to car shows was I went to Monterey every year I loved going it was if you were going every year you got into the routine of when you checked out of the hotel that year you booked for the next year that's how crowded and packed it was every single year and we went up there consistently I think it was till I was about 15 And then we took a few years hiatus and then started going back again in my early 20s. And then my last year was in 2016. And it's such a bummer that I haven't been able to go back since. But um, this year with COVID, they weren't able to do Monterey at all, which is also a bummer. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Yeah, I look forward to it every year. I really hope I get to go back soon i don't know how you could go to other car shows after that 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 experience <laughs> being the norm wow that talk about that yeah. setting the high standards out of the gate that's just absolutely <laughs> amazing you grew up around cars in a family that has interest in cars and you went off to college and what mm-hmm. did you decide to major in Oh, I changed my mind a bunch of times. Oh, I I feel you. (laughs) I did the same thing. And all I can think of is cha-ching, cha-ching, like wasted money for credits that I don't get credit for. Yep. I'm Luckily, I went in undecided, but I thought I was going to go the science route. And then I took a science class like my first semester and was like, I don't like this anymore. Like I loved it in high school, but (laughs) this is not my thing. And then I thought, okay, I want to do music because I'd always been a musician, but I wanted to do the like the media side of music. And that brought me to my second college. I transferred twice. I was getting enough credits to go to my final school. And by the time I got to my final school, I changed my mind from music to English or journalism. But at that point, I was going to be in school for like six years because I've changed so many times. So I went to my advisor and asked, what can I do if I'm not in school for another year? And she said, well, you've taken a lot of kind of random classes. You could put it all into a liberal studies uh, major and then just add on an English creative writing minor. So that's what I did. What advice would you give younger uh, kids coming up through there, going through that experience? Definitely go in undecided. 
um, unless like you've spent your entire life saying, I want to be a doctor, then you're probably going to end up being a doctor. But if you're really unsure of what you want to do, I wouldn't advise picking something right off the bat. Maybe take your first semester or two and take a lot of gen ed classes to figure out what you might like and then decide from there because then you can really focus on all those credits that you need to take in order to get your degree. That's sound advice, my friend, because I <laughs> I did not go in undecided. I went in guns blazing for architecture uh-huh. and I ended up switching my major and there were so many like specific classes for architecture that it didn't apply mm-hmm. to any other major. So it was oh, just no. like, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, so great advice. So you ended up going the English route and uh-huh. you grew up around cars. This is where it starts getting interesting to me in your journey where it's like, okay, now what? Again, I... This was 2011 when all this, um, my career really started. I was still in college and I went up to Monterey Car Week again. And that year in particular, our, my dad's uh, 1965 Jaguar E-Type was being used by Jaguar of America as like a display vehicle around Monterey that year. So we got into all the cool like parties and events that, maybe we wouldn't have normally gotten into um, because our car was there. (laughs) And that year, one of the local Jaguar club magazines was like, Hey, would you mind writing something about your experience this year with your car being on display? And I said, sure. Didn't really think anything of it, wrote something and had it published. And, and then all of a sudden, like I was writing all these articles for these little small magazines and getting published like pretty often. Um, And I was still in college and as I was taking my English classes and then getting published, writing about car stuff, I was like, could I actually make a career out of this? I never really thought to connect cars to a job um, before that. Besides being like a mechanic or a painter or like a lot of people when they think of automotive, they instinctively think mechanic, right? painting cars, collision. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so much bigger than that. And here you are yeah. taking it a journalism route. I had never thought that that was really something I could do, but um, I sort of started to see where I could go with it. I did a lot of writing for free at the beginning, probably like my first year and a half of writing was all for free just to get exposure and to get practice. As soon as I graduated, not too long after, I was approached by the company that owns Motor Trend. They have a bunch of magazines, online and print, and was asked to come interview. And I happened to get the job as an associate online editor. So I gained some experience doing that. And that was my first actual like paid writing gig, um, which lasted a little bit. You bring up a great point here, and it's just part of your journey, but I, you said something that I think is really important. You said that you spent a year and a half writing articles for free. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's an important call out here because I think the biggest challenge in the world today is delayed gratification, we, we want everything now, right? And we want to make money now. We want to have our business up and going now, right? It, it's, it's all about the now and get it now. But there's something to be said about here, here you did this for a year and a half for free. And it was about the experience and the exposure. And mm-hmm. that's the point of that is to build something bigger. Yeah. But a lot of people, if they didn't get paid, just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And luckily, I was in the position where I was still in school. So I could kind of afford to do that on the side while I was getting my schoolwork done and getting my degree. Um, but after I graduated, um, I I knew I couldn't expect to just land some amazing job right away in a field that 
yes, I did have a degree, but not, you know, technically an English major or journalism major. Um, I didn't really have any real world experience. So I figured the more I write, the better I get, someone's going to eventually see it, or I'll eventually meet somebody that will help me get there. And funny enough, it was on Twitter randomly that that message popped up from um, my first job. So it worked. It, I, it was a little bit of a struggle, obviously, um, but I knew it was going to get me somewhere at some point. All of these things you just kind of fell into organically. Yeah. I mean, even the, the motor trend experience. Yeah. It, you can't, there's not too many more premier automotive publications out there. I yeah, mean, that's, I know. that's one of the biggest, right? And here you are. Yeah. That was your first one out of college? Yeah. It was my first real wow. job out of college and my first writing job in general, like officially paid writing job. Um, yeah. And around that same time, I started my website, which at the time was kind of just a blog talking about just I, car Tony, stuff I, I don't mean doing. to stop you. I have to ask this because I'm just yeah. processing yeah. right now. Like, here I am a college graduate, just graduating, and I just got a job with Motor Trend. <laughs> what, what was going through your mind, like, when they said you have the job? Uh, I was surprised. Um, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be writing as much directly for Motor Trend as I was the other online publications um, on the other side of the building, but a few of my articles did get in Motor Trend. Um, but I I was just like, okay, I guess I have this job now and I have to move and, you know, do this long commute for a while until I find a place. But I was excited. I just, it was a little bit of a surprise to me just because of how new I was. Do you do like a happy dance or go have cocktails? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, wow. I don't know. I'm sitting there thinking, like, I'd be high five in the family and, like, you know, pinch pinch me. <laughs> yeah, there definitely was a lot of that. <laughs> it's a great foot in the door. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So at this same time you started your website, the name of your website, Girls Drive Fast 2. There's the obvious kind thoughts around that, but I don't I don't want to make any assumptions. Why did you choose that? I don't know. I thought it was just kind of catchy. And it was obviously I'm I'm a female that's writing about cars and my automotive experience. So I don't know where it came from. I just remember I said it to my mom and I'm like, what do you think about this? And she's like, I really like it. I think that works. So from then on, that was the name that I went with. Yeah, and the website was kind of just like for fun for a while. And then uh, it started to become a little more serious um, once I started reviewing vehicles on the website. Um, I made some connections along the way and happened to meet some people that worked at press car agencies or actual manufacturers of vehicles that would that offered to loan me their vehicles and review them for my website. And at a certain point I I was reviewing a new car almost every week, like my first year doing it. And it I was very, very busy doing it and I did all the And this is for your blog, right? Th this was all for your website. Yeah, all for my website. At the time it I turned it in from a blog to a website when I started reviewing cars and I did everything on my own. I did all the photography, all the video, all the writing, and then all the editing of the video photography and writing. <laughs> so I was pretty busy. Holy mackerel. That's like a full-time job, just that. Yeah. And considering like sometimes cars would overlap or I'd get one one day and I have to give one back, you know, a few days later, it was, it was just constant work. Wow. What kind of got you going that direction? Because it, your blog started with just uh, articles, right? Or have they always been reviews? No, it, w it was just like, hey, I went to this car show today and it was kind of fun and like I post some pictures. But it went from that to 
now I'm getting these cars. I'm going to do these proper reviews and that the reviewing started in late like winter of 2014. So 2015 was like my really, really busy year with that. And then I started adding in all the events I would go to and racing schools I would attend. And then I started getting invited on press trips from manufacturers to drive cars in different locations or to have these like different experiences. And I would put those up on the website as well. Now, let me let me ask a couple questions about this, because this is kind of an elusive thing to me. Conceptually, I understand what a review is and, and can only imagine the amount of work and the amount of hours it takes to just produce what you produce on your website for one review. Were you drawn to do reviews or was there something that someone suggested? Because there's so many different things because you started off with just writing articles. But this review route has opened up some really neat opportunities for you. Why reviews? Yeah. Um, when I was working at the magazine company, I really wanted to review some cars for them. Because um, obviously a company that large, they have new cars all the time in their fleet and sometimes some long-term vehicles. And I just was like, just give me a chance to do one. I'll do a great job. And never got that opportunity when I was there. So once I was approached, I was actually at a Motor Press Guild meeting and I was sitting next to this lady and she's like, have you heard of our company? And I never had. And she said, well, we, we loan out press cars. Would you be interested in reviewing something? And uh, obviously I was, I was extremely interested. And then from there, it just snowballed. And then all the manufacturer contacts I had already made and continued to make, I would just talk to them about hey, do you have any cars I could review? And um, I built these really great relationships with all these different manufacturers. And it, again, like everything else in my career, just sort of snowballed and I was reviewing like crazy. Your reviews are pretty cool. What do you, what were you hoping to provide that other blogs, companies, when they provide reviews, what what was kind of your niche or kind of your selling point of what makes yours unique? Um, I wanted to look at the car in a less, well, I don't want to say less technical way, but a lot of the times with these big magazines, they get extremely technical on vehicles and not everybody understands the technical side of a car. I'm not everybody's a mechanic. I know a lot of, you know, huge car guys are maybe really into cars, but they may not really know how to turn a wrench necessarily. And they just want to know what makes the car great. So I kind of wanted to cater to that audience while still getting, you know, technical enough that people could understand. And then also, you know, talking about aesthetics, like is the car designed in a pretty way is, you know, could this interior be updated for the next generation of this vehicle um, does it make sense as like a daily driver or is this more like a weekend car? Um, and would I buy it is like the big question that I usually ask myself. Um, and, you know, just what did I enjoy about it? What did I not enjoy about it? I'm, I'm pretty honest, but I try to be fair in my honesty. And, you know, if there's something that really didn't work for me, I try to talk about it in the most, um, politically correct way I can so I don't piss anybody off <laughs> have you pissed anyone off before I have yes um and I was unable to get cars from them for I think it was like two or three years no kidding yeah um but I what did we don't have to talk about the brand but what did you say that pissed them off I just said I thought there were other cars out there for the money that I would purchase over that particular car. And I gave the reasons why, but I, I did say positive things about it. I said, I really like these pieces of this vehicle and this whatever about the vehicle, but this is why I wouldn't necessarily purchase it over something of the same price point. Uh, that did not go over well. So they really <laughs> didn't. They really didn't want an honest feedback. <laughs> Apparently. 
I mean, that has to kind of be in the back of your mind when you're doing reviews because you're trying to be as transparent and honest and be fair as well. But does that weigh in the back of your mind at all when you're writing these? Like, ooh, this may piss them off, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Um, Yes, and that's what helps me to be a little less critical or as blunt, I guess. Um, It sort of forces me to put it in as nice a way as possible, what I'm trying to say. Um, Because I feel like if someone's reading my review, they obviously are either they just like the car or they might actually want to buy it. And if you hear just amazingly great things about this vehicle and then you go to drive it and you're like, this isn't really that fun. I don't understand why she said that the transmission's really awesome when it kind of sucks. Um, I, I don't really want to like misrepresent myself or the vehicle when I put anything out there. Uh, Cause I'm not being paid to, to write these, the manufacturers don't pay you for your reviews. So I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not obligated to give like a positive review, but it makes it easier for me to be more honest. Have you seen kind of a trend with your audience? Like, I'm curious what the demographics are of your audience for your reviews. Do you Typically, know? Um, men ages... I'd say like teen to like 50s, 60s, but it's mostly men. Interesting. Did that surprise you? Um, Yes and no. Um, I would think I would attract more female readers just because I'm not a guy. You know, you think girls relate to girls a little bit better, but... um, I don't know. I I guess I wasn't as surprised as I went along with it um, over the years that because most of the people that actually like reach out to me and say things about my work are all men. Really, I don't get a lot of like female people reaching out to me, which I, I don't know. It's just different, I guess. Can you share kind of like maybe some common themes of what they'll reach out to you about? Um, yeah, it's mostly on my social media. They don't comment as much on the website. Um, it probably did a lot more when I was more consistent with the reviews. Um, but you know, sometimes stories, they'll, sometimes they'll be nice comments, like, or actually I'd say most of the time they're nice comments like, oh yeah, that was a great article. Or I, I really like that car too. Or, you know, you, every once in a while you get the, the guy that's like, she's a girl, know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Or she, she doesn't know actually how to drive a manual. And then like in the video, I'm driving a manual. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, you obviously didn't watch that. Um, oh, yeah, it just, funny. it varies. But I'd say like 80% of my audience is really nice. 85%. That was one of the questions when I, when we spoke before where I was like, oh, I wonder what her demographic is. Yep. Um, that's interesting. I'm with you. I would have thought that there would be more females. Yeah. That's in, yeah, that's way cool. Well, your website launched, you said in 2015? Uh, well, I started it in 2011, but it really became like a website website, probably like late 14. You stumbled upon these reviews. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> your journey it, it just cracks me up in the <laughs> coolest type way, Tony. Where it's like, well, it just so happened I was sitting next to this person, and it just so happened that this person reached out to me and asked me to interview. I'm like, serendipity at its best, man. That's what I'm talking about. Sign me <laughs> it's up. It's funny that you say that because I don't really like realize it until I think about it, like how I got into all these yeah. things. And to be honest, the last time we talked, I was sitting there, you know, we got done and it it just occurred to me afterwards. I'm like, holy shit. Like, literally all of these were not planned at all. Like, planning is going, like, you find a job that you're interested in, you go interview for that Mm -hmm. job. You submit your application or your resume and you go interview. That didn't happen (laughs) 
in in your career here so far. Yeah. So th- I I just sat there. I'm like, that is way cool. Where it's just about riding the wave of life and following your heart's desire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And as I went along in the writing, I I kind of wanted to explore other parts of the industry. I wanted to see how the PR side worked because I really didn't have a lot of understanding of how how the PR really worked um, in these automotive manufacturers or in these like aftermarket companies. So I found it where I was living, there was a company that managed all these automotive accounts. And I got a job there for a while. Uh, didn't really work out. I also wasn't really a fan. Um, it wasn't really what I was expecting. I'm really glad I did it because I got the experience of really seeing what that's all about and realizing that wasn't for me. <laughs> what was the main thing that you learned there? Uh, I did a lot of cold calling to sell um, basically like stories or plugs in a way at different um, publications. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got really comfortable with cold calling, which before I was not, that was not my thing at all. And also being on... That's a priceless skill to have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. It, 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 but it sucks. Like, it it's one of those things. It's No one's like, I want to learn how to cold call. No, <laughs> like, no I want to avoid yes. cold calling. But when you have a business and what, you are, what you're building, it becomes so critical. Yeah. And also, I realized the other side of what I was experiencing when I was at the magazine. I get these calls from people like going, oh, well, do you want to post this? And I'm like, no, you got to talk to my boss. Like, I can't really publish that without their approval and then I'm the one that's going hey do you want to publish this story and you know and then I I got to experience like both sides of that which was kind of cool um and then I had contacts from when I was working at the magazine too so that helped me to get stories up as well um but yeah that that uh was kind of short-lived um and so I I had moved on to another company that I had found in the area that did all kinds of automotive stuff, um, like anything you would really think of. And I went down there just to kind of talk to them and see what they're about and interview. And they asked, would you be interested in um, going on ride and drive tours with a manufacturer? And I was like, sure, I've never done that. That sounds cool. I don't even know what to do. And I was sent on a five-week tour with Toyota just right off the bat, never having done that before. And the tour was in on the East Coast um, to states I had never been to before in my life. And it was a really, really cool experience. Um, working with the general public in that way was really interesting. And I started developing an interest in learning product. Um, and when you talk about product for a vehicle, it's like, stats and you know this trim level this vehicle has these options that that's really like product Mm -hmm. so I became really versed in that and then I went on another tour with Toyota as well for about I think it was like 10 days in Vegas and like Fresno area and then while I was there I was talking with one of my teammates and he said you should try and interview for this new company that's coming to LA Um, They're building an experience center and it's going to be with Porsche. I was like, I mean, that sounds really cool, but like this coaching I'm doing right now is like all the real coaching experience I have. Like I've driven a lot in my life. I've attended a ton of racing schools, but I don't know if that's a good fit. And he's like, no, you should really try. So, and it was from that same company that I got the Toyota job. So I figured, okay, maybe I have a chance if I, contact this somebody I already know so I contacted mm-hmm. him and he's like yeah it's really early in the process we haven't even interviewed anyone yet I was like okay I'll just contact you every few months or something so I just kept emailing and he kept saying it's too early I kept emailing and finally I got in this position where I had to have a decision made because I had to move from where I was living by the like the end of the month So I contacted the guy and I said, you know what, I'm moving 
and I'm either going to stay where I am or I'll move for this job. So I need to come interview like now. And he said, okay, well, you can come down. It's super early still. Really haven't interviewed anyone, but you can come down. And I was so nervous and intimidated because I'm meeting with all these like, you know, people that have been doing this coaching stuff forever and I haven't done it really. And then, you know, meeting with some people actually from Porsche corporate and I left the interview going, well, I probably didn't get that job just because I don't have like a lot of like the coaching experience that they're probably looking for. I may have the automotive and all that stuff, but Tony, when you say coaching, what do you mean exactly? Um, so coaching, um, I'll just talk about it from the, what, what we do at Porsche and that is sitting right seat with a customer driving and you're talking them through a lap or through an exercise and you're saying, okay, well, when you go to correct, when the rear end starts to go out on you, you got to, you know, turn towards the rear end and quick hands and beat off pedals, like that kind of stuff. We're talking them through a lap going, okay, you're going to start braking here and you're going to look through the corner at your exit point. Um, and Basically, you're just coaching them through whatever it is they're doing. This sounds like a uh, trust exercise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're working with the general public. It's not like, you know, if you're going to a racing school, these people know what they're getting themselves into for the most part. They've signed up knowing mm -hmm. I'm going for like this cool high performance thing and I've paid this money to go really fast in this crazy car and I'm going to wear a helmet. This is not that. <laughs> So it's so these are people that sign up for it off the streets. Yep. So very oh, different. Wow. Um, so I I managed to get this job, and not only did I get this job, but I wasn't just offered like, hey, you can be part time and then maybe work up. They said, do you want a full time position right away? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I go in as the only full time female, the only female on the driving drive team staff. And it was like a crazy, amazing experience because um, I started at the very, very beginning and we had weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of training before opening day. So the training was some of the best driving practice you'll ever experience in your life. Um, and I learned so My God, much. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. I drove Porsches all day long, sometimes into the night. Um, I learned things I never thought I, I, I got to this level of driving that I never thought I could be at. Um, and my dad drove with me for the first time. He's like, he couldn't even talk. <laughs> Cause we kind of like, <laughs> I always like aspired to be as fast as him when I was growing up. And then he's like, you've so far exceeded where I could ever be at this point. He was just like blown away. Wow. Yeah. And I worked there on a full-time basis. For two and a half years, I became the product expert at the facility. So I would train every new person that would come in on product. And I knew like everything about all the cars. And then I did all the coaching and I kind of did like a lot of office work because I'm really organized and I like doing that type of stuff. And then uh, in January of 2019, I went part-time there and I started doing a lot of other jobs, like kind of a bunch of part-time stuff. And one of the things I went to was something I actually did before Porsche. And it was a job with a company called Brakes, which is a teen defensive driving school. And I did a course there as a coach one day just to see if I could make it at Porsche. It was sort of like a test. And I started working there again after I went part-time at Porsche. And they actually tour around the US and teach teens how to safely drive. And they do like the drunk goggle exercise and like ABS braking and a lot of really interesting exercises like skid control and stuff like that. That all sounds so interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know about the listeners, but I'm always blown away by how many 
driving courses and or classes there are. Yeah, there are a lot. And th- that would just be fun. My partner editing this podcast, hint, hint, that that would be an experience <laughs> I'm interested in. Sorry, I'm just dropping something for myself. My birthday's coming Ooh. up, so... <laughs> Not not that it can happen this year anyway because of stupid COVID, yeah. but I'm supposed to have a driving experience for my birthday, but all that gets put off. But there's something different about what you're talking about, and I, I find it fascinating where it's one thing to buy an experience package where they put you in the driver's seat and you go drive it with really no training. Uh-huh. and. The experiences that I think I'm understanding that you coach is truly learning how to drive high-performance cars. Uh, At Porsche, yeah. I mean, it's something you could apply to any vehicle that you drive, really. Um, Obviously, we have rear engine for the most part, unless you're talking the SUVs or the Panamera. Um, Rear engine, rear-wheel drive sports cars. Um, there are some all-wheel drives as well, but anything you really learn there, like skid control or how to drive a proper line on the course is something you can apply to anything. And that's something we try to have our clients take away. Um, sometimes they come in and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Like, this is a present. I don't know why I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> and then you have the person that says, oh, I have wow. a 911. I just want to know how to drive it. And then that's always a fun person to interact with because they have a little bit of better understanding of like what to expect. Wow. Yeah. It's that would be a great gift. Yeah. That that's a very common answer when you're like, why are you here? Or is this your first time? And usually it's like, yeah, it was a present or something like that. Uh Interesting. Yeah. I had spent a lot of time there and I dedicated a lot of myself there and I learned a lot and I value what I learned very much. Um, I just wanted to do some other things and that one of which was I wanted to do some other coaching elsewhere. And then I wanted to get more into my website again, because I had to cut back a lot at Porsche just because I didn't have the time. Um, Yeah. And then, as time went on, I picked up some other part-time work and one of which was working at my fiance's shop where I assemble um, kits for their, for the vehicles that they build the kits for. They do sports cars and side-by-sides. And there's something else that you do that I was curious on. You have reviewed vintage cars. Yeah, I have. I found that interesting. It, was that when you were reviewing all of the other cars or they're just kind of sprinkled in throughout your entire career journey here? Um, you know, I try to think about how it started. I think it was, I knew somebody at uh, one of the small car shows my dad and I would go to and he said, yeah, if you want to drive my car and maybe do a little story on it, you can. And And so I did that. And then I realized, obviously, my dad has some vintage cars so I said I'll just review his and then again it started snowballing and I just kind of met all these people that were willing to let me drive their valuable vintage cars (laughs) obviously with them in the passenger seat but um yeah yeah yeah, it it was a different style of review is more just kind of talking about the feeling of the vehicle and like what makes it special and why it's unique and talking about the look and all that I imagine some history of it would be sprinkled in there, but, oh God, that'd be nerve wracking driving other people's babies. It was, especially when one of the owners told me how much it was worth as I was driving it. And I was like, why would you do that? (laughs) It was so (laughs) nerve wracking. Oh, good Lord. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking because I, I know I grew up around cars too and how men and women who who love cars, like really love cars and maybe had their car restored, like their attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't even. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah. <laughs> and I wouldn't want them to tell me the value of the car until after we got back. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> can you like wait until we park maybe? But he didn't. Yeah. So. Just that we, we safely pull in and we're done and I get out of the car. You can share me. That'd be a great conversation <laughs> then. Yeah. <laughs> that is outstanding. 
and you've attended multiple um, driving schools. Did you actually review the driving schools, or that's just kind of an experience that you wrote about? Um, I had gone to a lot of racing schools over the years, and I didn't really start writing about them until I was, uh, I don't even remember like the first year I did it. Um, but I had done like a bunch before I had ever really reviewed them. I started going to racing schools, uh, when I was 16. So I had done a bunch by then, but yeah, I've written about a few of the, the ones I've gone to and then other like manufacturer experiences. For example, Lexus had a sort of a track experience that they did where they invited a bunch of women out to Palm Springs and we did a track day with their cars type of thing. Like I would put that on the website. So what's next for Girls Drive Fast 2? <laughs> what, what do you see and how do you see that evolving or growing? That's a good question. Um, with COVID, it's been a little hard because no events are really happening right now. Um, so I'm hoping to attend more events and write them up for the website. Uh, probably reviewing more cars as well. Um, this year has been a little limited in terms of what I could manage to get. Yeah, and I guess just growing my social media channels. My Facebook's got quite a few followers, but I'm working on my Instagram, my YouTube as well. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I really have like a definitive idea of where I want it to go. I know I just want to do more with it. Um, as soon as things are less restrictive. Right on. Just out of curiosity, because I mean, you've been at this. Well, let's see. You said you started next year will be 10 years. Yeah. A decade. <laughs> so crazy. Chew on that for a moment, my friend. <laughs> That's way cool. Yeah. Do you monetize this at all? Or is it purely here's all this content and it's all free or? Um, somewhat. I mean, it's I'm selfishly asking because I'm a business owner and I'm just curious how you do. You know what I mean? That's that's always kind of elusive and interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where it's it's made a little bit of money and then there's times where it's made no money. Um, the writing isn't really where I make the money. It's all my other part-time stuff that I do. That's why I do so many part-time things. Yeah, that's that's one of the the things that I've been asked a lot over the years. Like I'll, I'll have people contact me. It's LinkedIn is like the most common one where I get to ask this question. And I have people saying, oh, I have this job that is full time and has health benefits and all that. But I really like want to start writing like you do. And I want to quit my job and do that. What do you think? And my like standard response is if you're okay, not making money at times and not knowing when you will with the writing in particular, then sure, go ahead and do it. But most people can't just not make money because most people have family or most people need to, you know, live. Um, so typically that's not going to work for a lot of people. And I say, why, why can't you just do it on the side on the weekends? That's a lot more feasible than just quitting your steady income for something that may or may not pan out great advice yeah the other the other thing about it is this as i asked can you imagine doing anything else with your life if you have any other things that you can say yeah i mean i could do that i i like that then this isn't for you because mm -hmm. my my problem is i can't see myself doing anything other than what i'm doing right now so right it it doesn't work for me to try and do something else that's why I just got to, you know, keep the, the part-time work strong so I can continue doing my website. And the thing with what you do, and not just what you do, but I'd say anything that has to do with entertainment or video or publication with automotive, it's, it seems very glamorous and sexy. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? like it's these amazing cars and a lot of times it's cars that a lot of people can't even imagine getting themselves mm 
You know what I mean? And some of these restorations over $100,000, you know, where it's like, oh my God, that car is amazing. And it's just, it's interesting because what I'm learning from women who are in the industry that rub elbows with the who's who of the automotive industry is that one, the majority of the the people in it are very down to earth and very basic. Mm-hmm. And two, is that it's not as glamorous as what it seems. It's just people who love cars a lot of times. Yeah. But there's like this glamorous thing about it. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, I, I really started thinking about it. And it's almost like there's two sides to it. There's the people that just grind and work really hard for their entire career and may never get to a point where it seems glamorous, but they have some moments of, wow, this is really cool. I can't believe I'm doing this. I just met this person or I just interviewed this guy. And then there's the people that manage to land these incredible jobs and they travel all over the world and they drive you know, McLarens and Bugattis and they get paid crazy money to do whatever it is their job is and get put up in these five-star hotels. And then that is glamorous, but it's like you're either one or the other. There's very rarely an in-between. Um, like I, yeah, and I imagine there's probably less of those positions <laughs> yeah. than there are of all the other yeah. ones. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I've had my moments of like a manufacturer will send me on a a really incredible trip, and I will be in one of those five star hotels driving really great cars and writing about it. Um, But those are definitely memories I'll cherish. They don't happen all the time, but um, yeah, I think a lot of the industry is made up of people that just work their butts off forever just to do what they love and may not get the recognition or the financial compensation for really what they do. And that's a great call out. I think some people just see the glamorous and they don't see the rest of it. And the glamorous seems like it'd be, you'd be paid well, but you, you got to love this. Yeah. You have to love this to really absolutely and stay in it for the long haul. Yeah. And I do have those people on my social media where I'll post something. And like, for example, I was, in Dubai last year and it, you know, that appears to be a super glamorous, cool thing. And it was very cool and very glamorous. But as I said, I don't get to do that all the time, but there are those people that will comment, Oh, it must be nice to like have all this money and like do all these cool things and have people give you stuff all the time. And they're so bitter about it, but they have no idea like what happens behind the scenes and how long I've been doing it. Right. And there's ups and downs, too. Oh, yeah. I imagine with part-time work and finding jobs to, um, you know, maintain your lifestyle while trying to do the website, that it's, it's, everyone has their challenges. Yep. Absolutely. I think this is probably a great time to launch into the red line round. And what the red line round is, is it's just five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, it's not painful, I promise. Okay. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Oh, my dad really has been a huge inspiration, especially early on, um, because he's such a big car guy and because he really like pushed me to do a lot of things that seemed really uncomfortable. That's way cool. What's dad's name? Ron. Ron, you did, you did good work. (laughs) Good job, dad. (laughs) Two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck? You feel stuck. What resources do you use? Uh, I mean, obviously, like, Google is a good one. Um, I don't know. It really honestly depends on what I'm stuck on. Um, If it's, like, a writing thing, then I'll probably go and read 
a bunch of other articles on that particular vehicle or whatever the subject is from other magazines to see if I can get any ideas or maybe things I'm missing. Um, I don't know. It, it really does depend on what it is I'm doing. Makes sense to me. I may go to someone in the industry or, you know, a friend and, and have them help me, but yeah, it just really depends. And I'd say with, with your journey, it, that makes perfect sense because you've had a lot of twists and turns where it's uh, different skill sets and probably different people that you'd reach out yeah, to. Definitely. All right, Tony, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck or discouraged? A personal habit. Uh, probably being super organized and disciplined in my work. Being organized just really helps me to keep a better, helps me to really know like where I stand with everything. You know, if I need to find something on my computer, I know exactly where it is. I don't have to go search around for it. And being disciplined to know, hey, I got to get this article done today. Like I can't do anything fun until I get this done. That's helped me a lot because then I don't put things off and then I don't upset people who are waiting on stories to go up. I was diagnosed with ADHD and like even though you have your company and you love your company and I have my company and I love Femganic Garage, there's always aspects that you don't enjoy doing Mm -hmm. but need done. And with ADHD, I would just procrastinate and keep putting those (laughs) off. Finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades? Well, I'd say for you, I would say just the automotive industry in general. Uh, sort of touched on it earlier with the financial aspect as my like general answer to people, but especially with like we're talking women in the industry. I mean, you're always going to meet somebody that's going to suck and it's going to be really rude. You know, I've met my fair share of those people, but if you're really meant to do this and this is really your passion and you really can't see yourself doing anything else, those people really don't matter. Um, those people actually fueled my drive to be in this industry more because I wanted to prove them wrong. And, you know, I, I feel like I did because I accomplished things that I didn't even know I was capable of. And yes, it's very male dominated. Um, for the most part, especially in the journalism side and that side of the industry. But we're talking like the driving side, racing side, we're we're very unique in that women are not as common. So we sort of have an advantage there. I think that's pretty awesome that we're we're a little more recognized as being kind of like special in a part of the industry like driving that should be, you know, you think of a driver, you think of a guy, you don't really think of a a girl, but it's cool that women are kind of seen as like rare and special in that. Sponsors, I imagine, uh, like the idea of that. Yeah. It's a lot more marketable, I think, because there aren't as many of us. Let's, let's be honest. Historically in the industry, women in cars go together. (laughs) Yeah. It's just now it's women in the driver's seat opposed on the hoods. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right? So it's a nice change. It's a nice change for sure. Where and how can people connect with you, Tony? Um, So I have my website, girlsdrivefast2.com. And then I'm also on Instagram under girlsdrivefast2 as well as Facebook and then uh, YouTube. Uh, it's where I post all the video versions of my reviews. And uh, LinkedIn, if it's more of like a professional connection. But yeah, those are basically where I'm at. Tony, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. Your journey absolutely fascinated me. And it's just a great testament to following your heart yeah, and how things just attract to you when you're on the right path. <laughs> Beautiful story. Thank you. I am Tony Avery and I'm the owner and founder of girlsdrivefast2.com and I'm a femcanic. 
Megan Myers in the driver's seat next. She is an NHRA top alcohol drag race driver. She broke the record for the quickest female pass at 5.15 seconds in 2016, only to break a 13-year-old record in 2020 with a run of 5.097 seconds, topping out at 278.81 miles per hour. Not only is she a record-breaking driver, she is an amazing graphic designer and entrepreneur. Be sure to tune in. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribed for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?